older I get in the Lord, I, and you, you, those of you that live for the Lord, see if you identify with The longer you live for the Lord, the more you learn and the more you study and the more revelation that you have. There is more uh, of a concept of how imperfect you are. Uh, I, I, how many identifies with that? I mean, the older I get in the Lord, the more I sense my unworthiness um, and my concept of how flawed we are as people and how much then how much God is so good to us because he knew that we would need an advocate. He knew we'd need someone not only take care of the sin question, but also to just take care of the issues that we have to cover, the issues we have in life. Because the longer I serve God, the more I am aware of my failures, my shortcomings, and my weaknesses. Okay? Now, and uh, you, you're just going to find, if you live for God, you're just going to find that out, that that's just the way it is. So we're talking about sin. My little children, these things I write to you so that you may not sin. And if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father, an advocate, a go-between, a lawyer, or, or someone who pleads your case, Jesus Christ the righteous. Now, he's seated on the right-hand side of the Father. Now, it's interesting to know that he's not standing. The reason he's not standing is because the job that he came to do is finished, so he sat down. When you sit down, it means you're finished. If you, when you sit down on the job, how many knows when you see the boss coming, you stand back up? You know why? Because he's sitting down on the job and the job wasn't finished. So, but you'll notice the scripture says Jesus sits on the right-hand side of the Father. He sits there because when he spoke on the cross, it is finished. He purchased the right to sit down because his, his, what he had come to do was, was completed. So I used, I used to laugh when uh, Bud Jones would be on the job, we'd be sitting down, maybe taking a break, and we'd see the boss's car coming. It's amazing how fast people can disappear. <laughs> if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father. We're going to talk about sin. We're going to get into this. Now, if you was here last Wednesday, uh, we all sinned. $10,000 scratcher. Picked it up on the way to church. People was, I'm telling you, some of the senior ladies looked at me like, what is the pastor? The pastor has done fallen off the wagon. It's a joke. It's a joke. But uh, we're going to talk about sin. Some, people's, some people have, you know, they, we, we have big sins and little sins. Uh, you know, we have sins that are not so bad, sins that are real bad sins. But sin is sin when it comes to God. We are the only ones that, that uh, regulate sins. You know, we have the white lie and the black lie. And we use the white lie a lot. But it's not so bad. But how many know that Lying is still lying. <laughs> There's no different color. Remember what he told, told Isaiah? He said, come let us reason together. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Now, God does not change the color of sin. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Why? Because sin has an objective. Sin is, wants to consume you. And it was, a, it was a reference to leprosy. Leprosy starts out with a red spot, a crimson spot. But leprosy doesn't just stop with a spot. It spreads throughout your whole body. And right, it becomes putrefied and it becomes rotten. 
And he said, though your sins be as scarlet now, the end result, if you don't take care of that sin issue, it, it will become white as snow. You're going to turn leprous all over. And so in that portion of Scripture, they, they, a lot of preachers use that as, well, God is taking care of the sin issue in your life. No, he's telling you, if you don't take care of the sin issue in your life, the, the sin is wanting to take over your life. It will consume you. That's what, remember what we're talking about? Sin wants to dominate. Sin wants to enslave you. And that's what sin does. You can't just, you can't play with sin. I'm telling you. And so look, we're going to talk about sin because we need to understand some things about it. Now notice this, and you need to put it down. Whoever, and it's found, it found in 1 John chapter 3, verse 4 is where this is found, Butch. Whoever commits sin also commits lawlessness. One, your translation may say transgression. And sin is lawlessness. Now, our transgression. Sin finds its strength in disobedience. All, now get this, all disobedience is sin. Now, this harpoons us all. This gets us all. Now, what do you mean by that? When you read in the scripture that you're supposed to do something and you don't do it, it is what? It is disobedience and the root and the strength of, of find, the sin finds its strength and you and I disobeying. Partial, now sometimes we partially obey. It's partially obey. Okay, partially obeying is still disobedience. Okay, now God wants to come along here and help us make life work. But, you, we, but see, we can't experience what God wants us to experience when we get into the sin question. We can't do that. So in order to do that, he, he, he wants us to understand that sin is lawlessness or transgression or a disobedience against what he wants us to do. Now, it's not so much that he, we don't know what he, he wants us to do. The question is, we have got to find ourselves, cause ourselves, or make ourselves obey what we already know. It's not the, Mark Twain said it this way, it's not those things that I don't know that bother me, it's those things that I do. There's a lot of things that I know that I don't do that really bothers me. Well, what and why is it? Because there is a sin issue that I have to deal with, that I have to come to grips with either I obey or I disobey, and I know when I disobey it's a sin issue, and God deals with sin issues, okay? Sin is a falling short of the mark. May we talk about that now? What was the mark? And now here's the mark. I want to tell you the mark. Paul said it this way. I didn't even understand what sin was until, unless it was for the law. In the book of Romans you'll find out because the law began to, to relate to us and show us what God thought about what, what was right and what was wrong. Thou shall not. Thou, I mean all those thou shall not. Why, why did he do that? He was to give them a guideline of what he wanted them to do and not do. And that was, so Paul said, I wouldn't even know, understood what sin was until, because the law was a schoolmaster or the law was a teacher to reveal to me uh, what, God was, what God's requirements was. Now, missing the mark, literally, now Jesus came and hit the mark, fulfilled all of God's righteousness for us because he knew we couldn't, right? That's why what, what I make you love Jesus so much is because he did something that we could do. We, no matter how perfect we are, we will always miss the mark of what God's righteousness is. So we're all harpooned with this thing called sin. Does that mean I don't, I don't work? No, that, that doesn't mean you ignore it. It means you work on it. You work on it. You don't ignore sin. You cannot ignore sin because sin is a bad, bad deal. All right, 1 John chapter 3, verse 9. I'm going to read this because you need to understand it uh, because... Whoever has been born of God does not sin. 
for his, capital H, seed remains in him. Talking about God. And he cannot sin because he has been born of God. Now, if you read this scripture, if you're not careful and you need to put this down, if you don't, if you don't understand it and rightly divide the word of truth, you'll doubt your salvation. Now, is John saying we got to be perfect? No, that's not what this verse is all about because he's just saying if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, right? So John can't be talking about sinless perfection. Now, you need to understand this, and, and when we talk about it, uh, a lot of people we're going to identify with, right? Every believer has two natures. Every one of you in this building, if you're a believer, you have two natures. And we're going to talk about this, all right? The first is the one you receive from your natural parents. It's called the flesh. You have a fleshly nature. You got it from your parents. You came by it honestly. Okay? You have it. You can't get rid of it. There's some things you can need to do with it. And at the new birth, we receive God's nature and God's life. Or His Spirit comes inside. Now, both of these natures exist in the same body. Here's where the problem comes in. Both of these natures. Now, you're, just because you're born again does not mean you lose your fleshly nature. How many understand what I'm talking about now? Just because you got saved doesn't mean tomorrow your flesh doesn't want sin. Now the fight starts. You know, before I got saved, I didn't care about sinning. I did whatever I was big enough to do. I mean, you know what I'm saying? It wasn't until I got saved that my life got complicated. Isn't it true? And now all at once, now all at once there's this conflict because there's two natures inside my life and they're struggling for control. And uh, so, <laughs> how many understand what I'm talking about? Now all at once uh, there, there's this process going on and, and man, I am, I am in a fix here. But both of these exist in the same body. Some believers say, I need more of God. How many's heard that? Boy, I need more of God. We should say God needs more of us. That's more correct saying. When you got saved, how much of God did you get? Did you get a piece of God? How much of the Holy Spirit did you get? All of it, okay. So you got all of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit indwells you. The Godhead, the third person of the Godhead dwells in your life. You didn't get a piece of the Holy Spirit. You got the Holy Spirit, okay. So the problem is, the Holy Spirit hasn't got all of you, so here's the struggle. And the, and the struggle is that the Holy Spirit is trying to, to uh, through, through the supernatural process, is trying to regain ground in your life, and the natures, the two natures that you have are struggling. Now, I want to, Butch to go to Romans, because we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna hear what, the, what one of the guys that wrote most of the New Testament is going through, okay? Romans chapter 7, we'll start around verse 21. Now, look at this. I, now, who's, first of all, who, who wrote the book of Romans? Uh, we're learning something now, all right? Who, Paul wrote Romans, okay? He, he wrote probably about 14 books in the New Testament. He had visions and dreams. I mean, he, the guy was, uh, well, if you know anything about the Bible, you know anything about the Apostle Paul, he was far more advanced than we were, right? Far more advanced than I will be in my spiritual walk, Okay? I find then, he's talking, he said, I find then a law that evil is present with me. How many knows that when you go, I had a cousin one time that just got saved and he had a problem with drinking and he got out of his truck and he was real hot and he went to the cold case 
And he's going to get him something cold to drink. And he said, John, I really, I really was just going to go in there and get something cold to drink. And in the cold case of the store, the Budweiser was here and the Diet Cokes was here. How many knows the struggle that went on right then? Oh, yeah. Hot, driving that old truck, sweating. Oh, yeah. You know which one he got? Yeah. I find in a law that evil is present with me. And the one who wills is to do good. Now notice. For I delight in the law of God according to the inward man. You have a spirit man. And your spirit man and in the spirit of your mind, you want to do the right thing. He went in there with good intentions, wanting to do the right. All he was wanting is a cold drink. For I delight in the law of God, okay? But I see another law in my members, warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members. Verse 24, O wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? Does it sound like Paul's having a struggle? Does it sound like there's two natures that are struggling and he's trying to give us insight into the, how many understands has went through the same stuff beside me? Man, I'm struggling with this stuff. Verse, verse, oh, wretched man that I am. Verse 25, or probably, I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then with the mind, I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh, the law of sin. Verse 26. That probably goes to 8, 8 and 1. All right. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Verse 2. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. When I sin, I have the supernatural power of the Holy Spirit to bring myself back under control. I don't continue in the sin. I take care of that because there's a law. The two laws are working. But listen, but through the power of the Holy Spirit, we can be free from the law of sin and death. Now, it's not going to get you free from the conflict. But it'll, it'll give you the power and the, uh, the authority and the ability to conquer and defeat the sin that is going on, the struggle that's going on. You, you will fail. We all fail at times. But you dust yourself off with the promise of God's forgiveness. You get back in the race and you, get, and you maintain victory over that. Okay? You don't give in to that stuff. And then don't allow condemnation to come into your life. Well, you blew it now. You dirty dog. You got, you know... Now, Hollywood, Hollywood does it this way. They have a picture of the little angel on this shoulder. Huh? Have you seen that? And they have the little devil on this shoulder, okay? That's Hollywood's, I mean, you know, you see it in the cartoons. And the little devil is whispering in your ear this way, and the little angel is whispering in your ear this way. And most of the time, to make it funny, the little devil wins. But only for a while. Then the little, I mean, how many of you have ever seen And that's exactly what's going on here. The, the warfare that is going on. But now notice now, let's go on here. Someone who sins continually, now get, you need to understand this. Someone who sins continually, a lifestyle of continual sin without hating it is not converted. Someone who can live and practice on a daily basis sin without hating it, without struggling with it, without you know, wrestling for the victory through the power of the Holy Spirit is not converted. Okay? Now, I, I, that, everybody's kind of looking at me, but I'm telling you, there's a difference between, you may fail a hundred times a day, but you dust yourself off and you fight the good fight of faith. You don't give in to that stuff. 
But for someone who continually practices a lifestyle of sin without repentance and without, without hating, because the scripture says, hate even the, gar- hate the garments of out of the flesh. I mean, there, you have to get in a love-hate relationship with sin. You love God, you hate sin. That's exactly what the believer has to do. Now, if that's not taking place in your life, you need to see if you've had a true conversion or not. Because true believers are concerned about just a spot of sin. I want you to turn to 2 Corinthians. Butch, get this up here because we're going to go through this. 2 Corinthians chapter 7. Now, I want you to notice the process because we're all involved in the process. 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 1. Now, and we're going to go through here and I want, I want you to I want you to fill in these blanks. You'll find out that, uh, therefore, having these promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all what? Filling of the flesh and spirit. Now, notice this a small f. Now, a lot of times we focus on the flesh. See, a lot of churches and a lot of, a lot of people focus just on the outward sins, fleshly sins. I mean, some of them, because they're focused outwardly, they dress down to here and here and they wear it. You can spot them in the market. You can spot them everywhere because that's what they think. Holiness, we talk, holiness, holiness. It's what I, what, long, that song, holiness. You know, holiness is a big word, okay? Sanctification and holiness. Jesus Christ is your sanctification. And now we get involved with the process of sanctification. But don't get so focused on the flesh that you lose sight of sins of the Spirit. Okay, because if you focus, a lot of people focus on the flesh, the outward, and they don't uh, focus on the inward because that's talking about your spirit. Talking about my spirit. I'm to take care of my fleshly issues, but I'm also supposed to take care of my spirit, my attitude problems, okay? Now notice, filthiness of flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of of God. So go to Galatians chapter 5, Butch, and we're going to go through these, and you can write them in. Now I'm going to give you the, the, the problems with the flesh, okay? Galatians chapter 5, verses 19 through 21. Now the works of the flesh are evident, are they not? One of the things you need to understand that sins of the flesh are evident, but sins of the Spirit are, are not always as easy to detect. But they're still there, and they're still just as deadly. And they're still just as black to God as sins of the flesh. In fact, let me tell you this. I think sins of the flesh is not as bad as sins of the Spirit. We'll talk about that in a second, all right? Now, the works of the flesh are evident, which are what? Do I need to explain that? Can we talk? Can we talk? Now, (laughs) oh boy, I better move on for that one. Uh, Fornication. Adultery has to do with sexual sin within the marriage, somebody in the marriage relationship being unfaithful. Fornication, sexual sin, sex outside of marriage. Uncleanness also has to do with lewdness, anything that pertains to sexual uncleanness. Uh, lewdness, is, uh, all of these things are connected get together. So we have adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness. Go to verse 9. Idolatry. Well, that's all right, Pastor. I don't have, you know, the first most of them are gross and we, we don't have a problem there, do we? You know, well, I don't have, you know, we don't have a problem with some of these other stuff, but how about idolatry? Anything, idolatry is anything you put in, can be anything you put in front of God. You don't have to have an idol or a grove in your backyard, a totem pole. 
You don't have to go up on a hill and worship uh, an idol. It is anything you put in front of God. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and all thy strength. That's the first great commandment, which means anything that competes for God being first place in your life can be an idol. could be yourself. could be your wife. could be your husband. could be your car. I don't know. Sorcery. Witchcraft. You know? Um, it comes from the word pharmaceutical, I believe. If I remember right, remember my study. Pharmaceutical, uh, uh, potions, anything, you know, I, I think that's self-explanatory. Uh, hatred, uh, contentions, oh, we're not guilty of any contentions here. Uh, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, uh, selfish ambitions. Oh, boy. Um, that could be a problem. Dissensions. Dissensions, causing dissensions, strife, heresies, false doctrines. 21, envy, murders, drunkenness, rivalries, rivalries, uh, drunken parties, rivalries, a lot of stuff, and the like, of which I tell you beforehand, just as I also told you in time past, those who practice, remember what I'm talking about, practice? Those who practice such things, what does the scripture say? What does the scripture say? Say it for me. Will not inherit the kingdom of God. Will not inherit the kingdom of God. Those who practice such things, I told you beforehand, will not. Now we're not talking about, you know, mistakes and, and sins and, you know, working out your salvation and getting control of your flesh. That's one thing. Uh, that's where we're all at. But it's people who just simply practice sin without any repentance and remorse uh, or sorrow or whatever, they are not going to inherit the kingdom of God. They, they, are, they are believing the lie. They are deceived. All right, now, verse 22, I think. We need to hear this one. But the fruit of the Spirit is love. Go to 24, verse 24. Now, notice this. And those who are Christ have what? They've done what? What have they crucified? What does crucified mean? You what? You killed it. The best thing you can do for your flesh is you got to kill it. Now, the problem with the flesh is it resurrects. Your flesh keeps crawling off the altar. Mine does. The scripture says, present yourself a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God. You know what the problem is, is with the living sacrifice? Have you ever thrown, if you throw everything living on a fire, you know what it's going to do? It's going to try to get off there, isn't it? The same way with your flesh. The scripture says, I want you to present yourself a living sacrifice. Kill your, put, your, put, your, put yourself on the altar. But the problem with that, when you put yourself on the fire, that flesh didn't want to stay there. So Paul said it this way, I die. What? I die daily. Now, if the apostle Paul had to die daily, whew, I think I'm doing it every hour. And maybe I have more problems than the rest of you guys. I don't know. You know, I just have to stay. I have to stay at it. Okay? You have to work at this thing. Because if you give your flesh an inch, it'll take a, That's an old saying, right? An ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure. You just, get, you just let your flesh get out of control for a little, just a little while. You think, oh, I, I, this is not so bad. I can handle this stuff. Oh, yeah? 
that, that's, that's deception. That's that little devil right there on that shoulder telling you, you can't handle that either. You need to get, come to grips with that stuff. And crucify the flesh with its passions and desires. So that's 17 works of the flesh. Now notice, it's easy to spot believers with flesh problems. Sins of the Spirit are a little bit more subtle. Okay? Now, let me give you an illustration. Prodigal son and his brother. Did the prodigal son that went into the far country, did he have some problems? Boy, he had some problems, didn't he? He wasted his inheritance with righteous living. Whoo, righteous living. How many did he with righteous living? Where most of us come from, righteous living. And look where, he, and, he, and he came to his senses, and where did he come to his senses? Pig pen. Boy, we put that guy down the country, don't we? That prodigal son, he was crazy. That's where we was all at. But he came home to the father with a humble spirit, and he asked forgiveness, and did the father kick him out? No. Now, what was the problem with the older brother? See, he was the one that stayed home. He was what? He had what? Now, so here's a perfect story about cleansing yourself from filthiness of the flesh and spirit because the elder brother stayed home and he had some serious problems. In fact, he wasn't too happy that his brother came home. Is that not true? Have you read the story? Had some serious problems with, with with his, with his spirit. Another example, most of God's heroes in the Bible, uh, they had all kinds of problems, and the Bible is very open about it. David had, had problems with his flesh. Was it not true? I mean, we plastered his all over Hollywood. What was his big sins, or sins? Bathsheba, oh, he's up on the housetop. You know what he's up there doing, watching that pornography. Saw that woman down there? That I want her. How many said, no, that's sins of the flesh, his lust, all that stuff. Didn't stop there. Tried to deceive her husband. Finally had her husband killed. That was what? Murder. Would that be sins of the flesh? Okay. What, what was the result of that? His child died. The, the child that was conceived in sin died. That was bad. That was tough. What else happened? His, his family had all kinds of problems. Didn't there, was, there was problems in his family for the rest of his life. Now, notice, that's sins of the flesh. Sin, when he, uh, listen, God can forgive you of your sin, and you need to understand this. God will forgive you of your sin, but he doesn't cancel the harvest all the time on the seeds that you've sown. You'll reap that. Sometimes he doesn't cancel the wild, the, the wild oats, okay? You will reap that because that's, that's a way of discipline. Okay, and you need to understand that. When you get into the sin question, you can't win. Now David gets up one day and uh, says, man, look, we're pretty strong, aren't we? He surveys all of his surroundings, surveyed all of his armies. Surveyed how, he surveyed how, how many people was in Israel. And he, he said, hey, I want, you to, I want you to go number the people. And the general of the army said, well, David, you better not do that. You've been told not to do that. David ignored him. They went ahead and numbered the people. You know how many people died as a result of his pride? I mean, there was a plague struck Israel. Now listen, innocent people died as a result of someone walking in the spirit of pride. 
bad spirit, didn't clean himself. He woke up in pride. He's walking in pride. Why was it wrong for him to count those people? Because God says, you're not going to trust in numbers. You're supposed to trust in me. And so when David numbered those people, he was, he was, he was thinking about how big he was and how strong they were. And, and it was God. Listen, some, it's God that gives the increase. It's God's going to be your source of supply. I don't care what you have or you don't have, but it was a, it was a sin of, a, of the Spirit, and thousands and thousands multiplied, thousands of people died because David did not take care of his spirit, his attitude. He was walking in an attitude of pride. Now, that's just one example, but it's all the way through the Bible. So the Scripture says we are to cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of flesh and of the Spirit. Now, I'm going to give you the sins, some sins of the Spirit, and, uh, and you can put them down here because a little more subtle. And you can look at these things in, in the prodigal son and the brother's uh, life. Uh, number one, self-righteousness. It's hard to detect self-righteousness from a religious spirit. Very deceptive. Someone who is religious is very deceptive. But it's still a sin to be self-righteous. Our righteousness is as what? Filthy rag. Our righteousness, our, Jesus is my righteousness on our best day. And if you, when you begin to get puffed up with self-righteousness, thinking you are someone going somewhere, then it's just like David standing up and, count, and numbering the people. Listen, your sufficiency is in God. Okay? And don't get into that stuff. Don't get a religious spirit. There's so many people that walk in a religious spirit. And when you begin to walk in a religious spirit, I'm telling you, you are headed for trouble. And then critical spirit. Critical. All of these kind of play off of one another. Critical of other people. When you're critical of other people, what you're trying to do is make yourself look bigger at the expense of someone else. Lifting yourself up by stepping on the back of someone else. You're critical. Don't get into that. Good, good Lord. You are what you are by the grace of God. Okay? It is God that gives you the ability to, to, uh, to get wealth. It's, it's God that's your source of supply. It's nothing that, you know, yes, you've done that. Yes, you've been faithful. But God's the one that gives you opportunity. Okay, so there's no place for a critical uh, spirit. How about the third one is pride. It's what David's problem was. That's what the elder brother's problem was. You know, I, I've been here. He told the father, I've been here. I've been working. I've been, I stayed home. I did my job. Da, 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 and he didn't see, he couldn't see the force of the trees. He was, could not see the joy of the one that was lost that was coming back. He had puffed up in pride. Unteachable. Unteachable. I don't care how much we know or how much we think we know. Don't get to the place where you are not teachable. We never arrive. Now, I'm not telling you to be gullible. I'm telling that we had to remain teachable and get into the Word of God and sort it out and search it out for yourself and come to faith, okay? But when you, when you get to thinking that you've arrived, that nobody else can teach you anything, that, that you know, hey, you're on some, you are on some, some soft ground, okay? Now notice, I've got I, I to hurry. Um, unsubmissive, being unsubmissive, rigid. Okay, I'm going to go through this and we're going to close, all right? 
What happens when a believer sins? This is very important. What happens when a believer sins? Go to John chapter 8, Butch, if you will, verse 9. What happens when a believer sins? What's the first thing that happens? What happens to us? How do you know you did something wrong? How do you know you sinned? And when those who had heard it, being convicted by their... Nobody has to give you a list of rules. I mean, there's a God conscience inside. All of our laws of our country can be traced back to... Our moral laws can be traced back to the Ten Commandments. We already have a moral compass. We already know what's... uh, Even people in countries who don't have a church on every corner have a moral compass. They have a conscience. They know when they've done right or when they've done wrong. The book of Romans tells us that. They're a law unto themselves. They have a conscience. They're a law unto themselves. Those people, there'll be people that have never heard the gospel, and I know there's a lot of people who disagree with this, but their standing with God is going to be determined by how they walked with their conscience. Okay? If they're a law unto themselves. The book of Romans says they're a law unto themselves. But those that hear the gospel, see, and the more you hear, the, the more information you get and the more truth you get, then the more active your conscience is. And the moment you do wrong, boom, man, conscience. Whew! How many has ever wanted your conscience to just go away? He said something wrong. He's angry at somebody. Man, if I get angry at Linda, I want to get angry early of the morning so I can nurse it all day. Because I got till sundown. You know what I mean? You don't want to get, hey, Terry, hey, you don't want to get mad at 6 o'clock. You only got about 10 minutes. You got to get it, you know. But if you get mad at them early in the morning, you can nurse that baby all day long, you know. Your conscience, man. We give away a lot of stuff if it wasn't for our conscience. You know what I'm saying? Let not the sun go down on your anger. Okay, that's what I'm saying. All right. So there was, there was a conscience problem. Here's the, that's the first thing that happened. And the second one is what? Communication with God begins to suffer immediately. In heaven, code blue, when we, get it, when we sin, code blue goes off in heaven. I mean, the bells start ringing, code blue, believers sinning, conscience immediately goes into effect, Holy Spirit begins to, uh, you know, to, to, to embolden your, your, your conscience. God gives you, and you need to put that down, God gives you space to repent. But if we don't repent, cold blue goes off. And the next thing is communication problem. Communication problem with God. David said this, if I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not. In other words, if I don't take care of the sin question in my heart, when I have sinned and I don't take care of that sin question, there's a communication problem between me and God. What is God waiting for me? You know, and I would say, well, I, you know, a lot of people say, well, I prayed before I got saved. God didn't hear it. Now, I know a lot of people don't like to hear that, but God didn't hear that. Someone was no doubt praying for you, but what God was waiting to hear from you was what? Have mercy on me, a sinner. Now, I wasted a lot of time praying uh, before I really gave my heart to the Lord because I really had no, I really had no intention. I didn't want God to get me out of jam. I really wasn't serious about serving him. Now look, God, God's not mocked. God's not a, God is not mocked, okay? So he knows this. So there's communication. Now here's a famous scripture, 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14. If my people, 
Who's talking to? My people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face. And then what's the next one? Turn from their wicked ways. Then what's happening? Then I'll what? From heaven, but he ain't hearing until we turn from our wicked ways. Isn't that what it says? So there's instantly conscience bothers me. You know, God gives me space to repent. And then all at once, my communication with God begins to get a little bit. You know, He's not listening. He's, you know, my conscience bothers me. I'm under conviction, and then He's waiting for me to con to confess my sins, to ask forgiveness, to clear up the problems. There's a little problem on the line, a little static. How many's ever had a drop call? Been traveling along in your car. Come to some almond trees. Hello? Hello? Are you there? How many said that? Are you, are you there? Hello? 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 You have to call them back, right? Drop call. When we get into the sin deal and we don't ask forgiveness, there's a drop call. Hello? 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 You there? He's there, but he's waiting. Why? For us to repent, get things right, Communications lined up and everything's over. Now, real quickly, get this. I got to hurry, okay? Rejection causes us to begin to walk in darkness. Rejection of the truth, here's disobedience, okay? We begin to walk in darkness. Romans chapter 1, verse 21. And then the hardening of the heart begins. Hardening of the heart begins. Your heart, regardless of what, your heart begins to get hard against sin. You're not as tender as you once was. You wasn't as, you're, not, you're not as sensitive now as you used to be because, because sin has a... Remember, sin, sin is deceptive. Sin wants to consume you. Sin, and so sin is beginning to cause your heart to be hardening. You're not as sensitive to the Lord as you used to be. And the voice of your conscience gets weaker and weaker and weaker. Okay. Then fourthly, we set ourselves up for divine discipline. If that conscience fails, the wound of the Holy Spirit fails, the Word of God fails, okay, all of that fails, then we set ourselves up for divine discipline. Now, I want to close with this. I ain't got time to, to finish, but I'll close with this. Listen very carefully. Hebrews talks, does God know how to spank His children? He said, divine, you set yourself up for divine discipline. Now, I, I know we, we, don't, we don't like to put God in this vein, but you are a son, and he's going to, there is some divine discipline that he's going to go on. But I want you to go to 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Butch, 1 Corinthians chapter 11. I'm going to read from verse 28. We set ourselves up for divine discipline. Now, listen to me very closely. But let a man examine himself. Talking about the communion service. What's the examination? Checking yourself for what? Checking yourself for what? Sin. We're in the communion service. Scripture is very clear. We're at the Lord's table. We've got to rightly discern the Lord's body. What was his body? What, what, was it, what was it there for? We don't discern the Lord's blood and body. His blood was shed for our sins. His body was broken, bruised for our healing. All right, now notice. But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of the bread and the drink of the cup. For he who eats and drinks in an un... How do you eat and drink in an unworthy manner? Tell me, talk to me. How do you do it? You partake of the communion service with, with sin in your life and know you know you have sin in your life. 
Now, it's better that you don't take it. It's best that you pass it on by. I'm talking something very, very serious now because the communion service is an evangelistic service for Christians because it's a self-judgment. And the scripture says if we judge ourselves, we won't be judged, which puts the responsibility on us that we have a sin question. Our conscience has condemned us. I mean, it has convicted us. I mean, talk to us, okay? But notice what happened. He eats and drinks judgment to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. Now notice this one, verse 30. For this reason, for what reason? We didn't examine ourselves. For this reason, he just told you for the reasons. Because you didn't judge yourself. Because you didn't take care of the sin question in your life. Because you took of the, Lord, of the Lord's supper in an unworthy manner. What happens to us? Many are what? And what? And what? That's pretty serious stuff, isn't it? That's pretty serious stuff. Sin is not our friend. God is here to help us. If we sin, we have an advocate with the Father. Jesus Christ the righteous. Man, he, isn't God good? He doesn't want that to happen. That is not his will. That is not his will for you. That is something that is brought on you by who? Yourself. Because you didn't judge yourself. Because the scripture says if we judge ourselves, we'll not be judged. And we'll take care of the sin issue in our life. That is not what God wants to happen. But it happens. It's a self-judgment. For if we would judge yourself, for this reason many are weak and sick among you, and many are dead. We set ourselves up for divine discipline and judgment. That's a tough, that's some tough scriptures. We don't talk about those scriptures a lot. I mean, that's not, you know, most of the time we try to, you know, challenging and life, but sometimes we need to talk about these issues. Because I think the church gets a little bit slack with this thing called sin. We really do. For he that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. Did we learn something? I'm learning. Say, I'm learning something. All right. Now, how many are going to do some applying to your life? All right. All right. When we have communion, what are you going to do? Father, I pray for this. I pray for these folks tonight, God, that you'd touch them, that you'd do a special work of grace in their life, draw them close to you tonight, and uh, just do a special work. Forgive us of our sins. Wash us, God, with your forgiveness and get us back in the race. In Jesus' name we ask it. Everyone said, amen.